Good afternoon. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. And today on the program, I'm so happy to have Christian Campbell joining me here in the studio. Welcome, Christian. Thank you, T. Give thanks. <laughs> great to be here. Oh, well, it's great to see you in person. And you're here. I should say we're taping this the 5th of January, 2012, first show of the year. So That's thanks right. for being thanks for being the first, Christian. Happy New Year to everyone. <laughs> yes. and, and if you're Ethiopian, it comes a little later. So. Yes, yes. Or the Chinese New Year, right? right? That's still pending. That's right. I love that we have other calendars. Yes, so. and, and many celebrations That's ahead, right. right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, well, wonderful. Um, well, thanks for being here today. And, and you're in Ann Arbor. Um, you've been, uh, you're, you're going to do, you're, you're, you're having a reading. Yeah. You're, you're also meeting with students. That's right. Um, so it's been a busy time for you. It's a busy here. time, but a wonderful time. I, this is my, my first time in, in, in Ann Arbor, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. Definitely. Um, and so I just came from a kind of lunch round table with, with um, a mixture of students and other people that, that, was, that was quite wonderful, a really rich dialogue about poetry and life. Ooh! Oh, yeah. wonderful! And yeah. were you? And th- so, and I'm. I know that you were probably at the center of that That's, that yeah. dialogue. Yeah. So. Yeah. Lorna and I. So Lorna moderating. Lorna Goodison. Yes. Moderating the conversation. So. Yeah. Oh well, wonderful. That I wish I wasn't at work just before that because I would have been joined. I would have wanted to be in on that. <laughs> but anyway, now I'm I'm lucky to have you here now, Christian. And before we go any further, um, I'd also like to say thank you to Hannah Bannister at People Tree press um for sending me a copy of your book running the dusk um and and that was out in 2010 that's right and and since then it's it's won some some awards too yeah it's i you know i have to give thanks it's really it's having it's had a wonderful life so even before it came out in book form in 2000 Five, I think it was a uh, uh, runner-up for the Kavi Kanem Prize here in the U.S. Oh, lovely! Yes. And then in 2010, it um, was shortlisted for the Forward Prize for the best first collection in the U.K. Um, and then in 2010, it won the Aldborough First Collection Prize which is the um, the oldest prize in the UK for first book of poetry. Um, really a great, great honor, wonderful honor. So I won that in, in, in November 2010. So how it works is that when you win the Alderbrook Prize, um, you get money. <laughs> yes. <that's laughs> and you also get uh, a kind of mini residency on the Suffolk coast in the UK and a paid invitation to the Alderbrook Poetry Festival, which is um, the most, I would say, the most important poetry festival in, in the UK. So it's not as big as Dodge in, in New Jersey here in the US, but it is... You don't have to say... It, it, it's, <laughs> it's wonderful. Yes. So I actually, um, even, though I, so even though I won the prize um, a year ago, I actually only recently in November 2011 just um, had my residency at in the Suffolk Coast in a beautiful 
beautiful, beautiful house on the beach of all places in England, you know, yes. and, and then read in the Aldborough Festival, right? So it, it must have been wonderful then to it was, have that. It was amazing, right? Did, did you, were you able to, when you were there in the cottage with the residency, was, did you find that it was a, a, a good time for, a fertile time for work? Were yeah, you able it, to? It, it, I did get some writing done. I got a lot of thinking done, which is just as important, you know, that sort of, just space to sort of map out new projects and map out projects that, that you're working on. So, and it really also, um, it was inspiring because it changed my relationship to the landscape of England, right? Because I lived there for two years. I was a graduate student at Oxford. At Oxford. Yeah. Yes, a, a Rhodes Scholar. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So between 2002 and 2004. And so I know, I know the stone and the gray of Oxford. I know... And the uh, rain. The rain. Of the city, yeah. <laughs> and the brown of London, right? And the smoke and the fog. And I know the beautiful rolling green of Yorkshire. But I do not know these sort of pebble beaches that this... I don't, I don't have... And especially as a Caribbean person, you know, I know um, that, that, that beach, that shore, that littoral landscape, the sea. That's so much a part of me, right? I... Grew up next to a and beach. what feeds you, right? But I don't know that in England. So it was a really, it was, a, it was a weird and 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 really inspiring experience. And the festival was just fantastic. So, well, yeah. and and so and how so? Like, t- tell us a little bit about that, since we couldn't we we couldn't be there with you. Was it something where the meeting lots of people, or were, oh, well, were yeah. you pres- presenting and and reading? All, and all of the above. All of yeah. the above. I mean, I think in terms of programming, it was quite diverse you know that there were readings there were panels there were workshops um conversations there was even a play by andrew motion who's a former um uh, poet laureate exactly former poet laureate and then robert haas was there oh friend of the show there was a and he's such a wonderful person um and so his he spirit did a just a, a lovely person yes. i really really enjoyed meeting him and he no airs about him so there was a, a a great conversation between the two poet laureates from across the ocean right <laughs> uh, motion and Haas, and then uh he also read and he gave a tremendous lecture on milosh Yes. Yeah, really wonderful. And, you know, he's a main translator. And he was also on a panel that I was on um, um, with the British New Zealander poet Fleur Adcock and Albanian poet Luluieta Lishinaku, Um about. So it was the four of us talking about the 21st century poem. <laughs> so that sounds like tons, tons right. of fun and vibrant. Like, it was it was you... really, really vibrant. And the and the the. The landscape of of where the festival was really was great. I mean, and and so so I did quite a lot too. I did a workshop. I was on the panel, and I also did a reading. I mean, and it was packed. You know, like two hundred, two hundred and fifty people in the audience. That is, that's like there's a different dynamic and energy for a poetry reading of that that capacity of people when uh, people's energies are there. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it was a very special experience. Really special. And was that coming then, right, um, was it connected to the residency too? Yeah. So you had this chunk of time. Exactly. Ex- so I was I was in um, the house and then at the end of the week, I sort of went a mile, a 
to the town next door. <laughs> And and that's where the festival was. Yeah. Oh yeah. well, I can tell that it's it it is it was a time that that made made a difference in you. It just Definitely. seems like it. Definitely. I will Definitely. also put in a quick plug for Cornwall. I think you should go next okay. there to 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 have the continue your relationship with the the sea of Different. England. Yeah, 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 yeah. You spent time there. I did. Yes, I have family from from there. Oh, from so, there. Okay, yes, okay. Yeah. I have to check it out then. Yeah. <laughs> You'll love it. Okay. And okay. I've not been to Suffolk, so I will also take. So we'll your, exchange. Yes, then. we will. You, I go to Cornwall. You go to Suffolk. And send postcards. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, how, thank you, T. No, well, thank you. It's it's so wonderful to. Feel Feel that you've had this experience recently too, yeah. and that it's still well. And what did you? So, you know what I just realized? I'll read your short bio before <laughs> we go any further. Now we've sort of goodness. Okay, all right. Here we go. This is the short biography uh, bio in the back of Running the Dusk uh, with People Tree Press, 2010. Um, Christian Campbell is a Trini Bahamian writer. He studied at McAllister College in Minnesota, the University of Oxford, where he was a Rhodes Scholar, and Duke University, where he received a PhD. Um, let's see. His work has been translated into Spanish in the anthology and numerous placement of poems, of course. Um, he was a finalist for the Cavicanum Prize and has received grants and fellowships um, from Cavicanum the Arvin Foundation, the Ford Foundation, the Fine Arts Work Center, and the University of Birmingham. He teaches at the University of Toronto. And before we go any further, mm -hmm. could you help me with my pronunciation? Because in my head, I think I've not really heard, am I pronouncing Kavekanum right? Kavekanum. Kavekanum. Yeah. yeah, Latin for beware of the dog. Ah, yeah. <laughs> okay, because I did see on the website, okay, so that's Latin for beware of the dog, yeah. and how interesting because People Tree Press in some of the the, um, the materials about your book, what was the quote? Let me find it. There's um, a moment like this, that dusk and this, and your book is sort of inhabiting the, um, the, the moment where you've tried to help me out and now I'm still, <laughs> I'm still lost here. Um, well, it's the moment where it's becoming, um, from dog to wolf and there's oh, a French translation. Yes. I, yes. Is that actually, yes. why don't I just read it? Right. So what, yeah. oh, yes. so T, what T, what you're talking about? <laughs> I, was, I was groping for and Christian so kindly. <laughs> no, but I'm glad you did because I think, um, <clears throat> These, you know, what you're talking about is an epigraph, and and there are two of them that um, it, that begin the book, and they really help to give a sense of what the universe of my book is is about. And with is that J Janae, and that's, then also Neruda. That's yeah. right. Okay. That's right. You got it. You got it. So the first one is from um, Prison of Love by Jean Genet, and it reads. The hour when street lamps are lit in the city and which children try to drag out so that they can go on playing, though their eyes, suddenly active, are closing in spite of themselves. The hour in which, and it's a space rather than a time, every being becomes his own shadow and thus something other than himself. The hour of metamorphoses when people half hope, half fear that a dog will become a wolf. Um, so right, so it's it's that part is from um, what the French way of describing the dusk, which is lou entre chien et loup, 
right? The hour between dog and wolf, which I thought was amazing and fascinating and yes. really, you know, just captured what um, I, I, I'm trying to do in this book. And, and you're framing it with this epi- epigraph. And That's right. And so the second one that I'll, I'll just read quickly yes. is from Neruda from the poem Himno y Regreso. And it reads, In tu remota tierra caído esta luz difícil, which I translate as all this difficult light has fallen on your lonely land. Oh. <laughs> that will slay you, won't it? And the difficult light mm. and how this is a book like of you um, uh, with this, this texture of the light. That's right. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I suppose in particular, you know, experiencing dusk on, on, on a Caribbean beach, but I think experiencing dusk anywhere is well it's changing it's changing that's, that's what changed. it's about yeah. right exactly <laughs> you 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 have a tea <laughs> right so there's it's the change right the change in the light um and it's also um about this moment that's neither day nor night this liminal space right this in be- in between space in which other worlds are opened which as a poet that's something that draws you naturally. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And in your acknowledgments, you also say, I believe like the final part of it, um, Christian was, Oh geez. Now I have to, I'm flipping through. You can hear the paper. Um, Oh, thank you. And give thanks to all my ancestors, dusk people. Hmm. So, well, um, I, I think, I come from a people that are often in liminal spaces that are moving between times and between cultures and between landscapes for one. Um, And then there's also, um, you know, my ancestors being mainly uh, African, Amerindian and East Indian are dusky people, right? So that's also dusk and dusky. So, and we'll and let's talk more about this. We'll take a short break and then we'll be back. Okay, okay we'll be right back. Okay. Um, to hear more, Christian Campbell is here today on Living Writers. His book, Running the Dusk. We'll be right back. <laughs> concept that we all should have I'm going to try to tell you at this time he ain't heavy he's my brother
to carry him Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, I'm so pleased to have Christian Campbell here in the studio. Give thanks. And, and also, um, thanks to Tex for engineering for us and just finding, finding that song by Donny Hathaway. Yeah, Te- Tex is our selector. <laughs> <laughs> and <he's laughs> our soul selector. Oh, yeah. wow. That's, <laughs> you have to, yeah, that's, that's, some, that's something. That's like a... Um, We've got to write that down and remember that for time. <laughs> so yes, so and these songs are are songs that Christian also was, uh, was like we're playing for a reason that you you wanted to hear this one. Can you tell us a little bit about Donny Hathaway? What, sure. And the, and I mean, you know, Hathaway is one of the um, great, the great soul vocalists of our time, right? The late great Donny Hathaway. I don't know. I'm. I. I can't even remember how I became, um, how I entered the Hathaway universe. Like in when a way. you first heard him, or <clears throat> right? First, uh, Not, or but even beyond when I first heard him. But when I began to listen to Hathaway obsessively and listen to everything I could find. Right. I mean, in fact, the album that that Tex played, the live album, which I love, is something I played over and over when I was writing these poems. Right. And I have a poem that I'll read um, that's um, it's called Donny Hathaway. But I think I'm drawn to Hathaway um, perhaps in the way that I'm drawn to tragic genius. um, I'm I'm really interested in in Hathaway aesthetically um, particularly in terms of this thing of timing, right? That's this. I think soul singers teach us something really important about time and timing, right? You, if you listen to Rita Franklin, that she's often working behind the beat somewhere, right? She's really, um, she's really masterful at that, and so is so is Donny. So Donny Hathaway slows everything down and there's something tonal i think that he also brings a certain a kind of blues that mm-hmm. he brings to a song so there's a song and i've played it for poetry students a number of times called superwoman by stevie wonder and so we listen to stevie's version and then donnie's version same song and they're totally different you know and when donnie sings it it is um, there's such a sadness there, right? And it's about pacing and it's about timing and about his phrasing that he um, slows it down. Um, you know, you think about when we just listen to him singing, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. We had to wait. Mm-hmm. It's like we had to wait for the next phrase and that does something f- for our emotional experience, that sense of, that that constant sense of anticipation because it's time and not time it's, it's time it's exactly like that 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 what how dusk yeah is, oh right you t you making the connection to me <laughs> you you just do it that's wonderful thank you for saying that so i'll just read um 
for everyone to hear the the note on on Hathaway um, on the poem and and so Donny Hathaway in 1979. The legendary soul singer allegedly committed suicide by jumping from the 15th floor of New York's Essex House Hotel. So the other thing I have to say about uh, Hathaway before I read is that I was born in 1979. And so that's another, I think, reason that I was drawn to him. I, I, um, I, th- I began to think a lot about um, important figures and especially important artists that died in 79, right? So there's something, and I think everyone should do it. You should do it, T. Everyone who's listening should do it, is to think about um, the year you were born and to look up major artists and major figures who died that year and, and to find them, seek them out, read or listen or find as much as you can about them. Because there's something worthwhile about thinking of what, energy was leaving the world as your energy was entering it so you know the, you know hence my obsession with hathaway my obsession with elizabeth bishop right who just had her um centenary last year you know um and so i'm going to move on to charles mingus and minnie ripperton as well who also died in 79 yes because that is there's something about the I I knew you were thinking about the energy Mm. and and if you think about um, also like we're made up of stars and Mm. like that have long gone Mm. right and um, and so it makes sense that some of this energy is like a a return and it's out there and it's and I don't know Hmm. maybe that where does it get filtered or how what do we claim on you know so yes yeah and then I mean yeah, his his death. I still think about that, and and so I read this poem. And allegedly, poem. too. You and say. allegedly, well, that's what they say, you know. But he was, um, as they say, he did struggle with with mental illness as well, you know. So there's a, there's there's so much um, to engage with in terms of both the brilliance and and the spirit of this man who who left us far too early. So this poem is called. Um, It's called Donny Hathaway, 1945 to 1979. Listening to He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. Lingering at the edge of want, grasping how, clawing, gripping again, then leaping, spread-winged shape of whale, taking yes to good night. Rivering, ghosting in a slow drag, churching gravity. Praise armed to hold bones, larynx of soldered gold, soldier for the blues coup, heaven flung for what's coursing out. Past the plunge of need of we, when salt throat bears all to the blood of undone. Thank you, Christian. Give thanks. And so, how how many of your poems are you also, do you have in your body that you can say without, like, because without, re, um, that you've memorized? Why? Truthfully, I don't know if I could memorize accurately any. I, I wonder, 
about that too. No, I didn't. Mean, sorry, I didn't mean to put you. On no, no, it's okay. But it felt it's like okay. the way you were in the language too. Yeah. That the page wouldn't have to to be there. So mm-hmm. that was so. So I wasn't trying. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm the worst at memory. And it's so funny. I give my students recitations. So. <laughs> I, I like yeah, I recite my own, but yeah, but but I think you're. You're actually right to say that about being in the language, which is, um, which is beyond memorizing. It's about, and I talk to my students about this. Is about um, this thing of of incorporating language, right? And we think of corpus as the body, right? Taking language into the body. Um, and it's funny with when the reason part of the reason that I always assign my contemporary poetry students recitations is because my paternal grandfather was a very very literary man. He died in two thousand two, and before he died, he had maybe two strokes and couldn't remember much, couldn't speak much, but he was reciting stanzas and stanzas of poetry. And so this, that he could say uh, without, yeah, that re- without hesitation. That remained. Without- that, that, that was the language that remained. Um, you know, and this would have been, you know, things that he would have learned and read, I don't know, 70, 60 years before that. You know, As a, I, young, a young man. That's right. Very- and, and he died at, at the age of 83. So and he's he's all over running the dust. That's right. He? That's he's true. He's always surfing there is a, in it, a line or how you're carrying yourself. Or the, the, any, that's right. There yeah. there are a lot. The first part of the book in particular is there are a number of these elegies in that that for this grandfather figure. That's him and that allow me to sort of work through so many things. Right. You know this liminal space between. Um, life and death, you know, between cultures, and yeah, many, many things get worked out through through these elegies. Oh, I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, <laughs> you know, we we give thanks, we give thanks. So yeah, and and amazing that 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 how to know that those would be the pieces of language that he would. S- say when he was 83 yeah like yeah. he probably the, if you he had been asked of that at the time when he had to memorize them i'm sure he wouldn't say yes i'm going to be saying these still when, when i'm 80 80 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> like why <laughs> but sometimes not because i think maybe even we look at language and and poems in particular yeah. in there with like a complicated relationship now in our time yeah. i think with poems and and how people use them for certain things like for joy or for grief but mm-hmm. but not for the everyday which maybe way way back um or 70 years or so ago i mean not way back but yeah <laughs> yeah that it was more of a day to day and not just an education yeah you're right not just a and right you're right because i think you know that is you know this thing about about um recitation as a part of this pedagogical experience of literature is you know certainly very british colonial right oh. that that you know generation of in in the caribbean that you know you know my, i think you know my father um still remembers many of those poems from the royal reader himself right uh, lorna speaks of these uh, royal precisely readers. precisely <laughs> she know you know those that, that formed those generations um <clears throat> but beyond that 
throughout the Caribbean, the, the Anglophone Caribbean, I'm speaking mainly for, there was also um, something that Lorna calls in her poetry pleasant Sunday evenings, or people would call to give a recitation that you would have in a community in, in the Caribbean, and this would have been mainly sort of pre-independence um, and gather children and, and people and dress up and people give speeches and recite poems. And that is what happens on, you know, on a Sunday in a sort of hall or auditorium or, or in a church. Pre-television. That's right. <laughs> when we that, used to gather. That's right. and, and, to, and, it's, and what could you bring to that? That's right. right. You have something to bring. That's right. And and this thing about poetry being fully a part of our lives and also about um, all kinds of people, working class people and who, who have such great value for language, language and for speech, you know, in the Caribbean, we, we would say who could talk good. Yes. Right. I mean, that and that continues to have serious value. You know, who could talk good, who could master the tongue. Mm. Well, let's come back. We're going to take a short break. Okay. And then we'll be right back to talk more with Christian Campbell today on Living Writers. You're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel, and we'll be back. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, hooray. It's good to have you listening. You've got living writers on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. And today, Christian Campbell is here in the studio. And his book, Running the Dusk. I'm so, I think we should hear some more poems too, Christian. Your music is key for you. With um, your your last poem, you said you were listening to He Ain't Heavy. He's my brother, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, while you were writing and so is that something that you feel like is is that you know how people have like we have our practices or right. so and things that is that are you listening to music is it some because you also have poems that are um like uh hinging on jazz or like there's or it seems like you're using some movements of jazz in a poem mm. and well that's certainly reggae as well but um yes yeah I, I i didn't mean necessarily literally that i was listening to the song while i wrote it <laughs> no it's okay but i i i almost mean um um 
you know, you could read it and listen to the song in conversation, but but you're what close it, to it. Yeah, what I yeah. meant is that in in the process of making the poem, I was listening to it, right? So it's also because I think I tend to want to listen to silence as I write, right? In in terms of you know, in in thinking about poetry as as making my own music, right? But I was hearing the song yes. to drawing from it, talking to it as as I created that particular poem. Um, but yeah, I, I think in terms of I, I just was having this conversation as well. And in, in terms of my um, relationship to music as a poet, I think it's crucial. I think that um, People often talk about the importance of the acrostic. You know, acrostic poems are poems that describe visual art or respond to or comment on visual art. And sometimes people use it to talk about um, poems that describe any other kinds of art. Um, so maybe poems that describe or comment on, on music as well. But for me, um, it is my aesthetic project is beyond the acrostic. In other words, that my poetry is not about describing Sarah Vaughan's voice. My poetry wants Sarah Vaughan's mouth. And what I mean by that is that I, I cannot sing like Sarah Vaughan or like Dennis Brown, but I want to get at what's essential about their singing. That's what I mean by the poetry wants their mouths. Right, so the that's that's the how essence, I, the essence yeah. of it. That's how I think about music and the way it works in in my work. And what is it when you're creating that is the sound that you're hearing that's yours? Hmm. Well, it's in it's it's in language, right? It's it's yeah. in about how I am. Um, forging, turning, shaping language. Um, it all, it all, the language and, and the silences actually too. So it's, it's in, it's in the making of my own lexicon, right? Which the poetry is, right? My vocabulary, my own language and that the music is made. And like we were talking about in the, the earlier break, your, your grandfather in the first half of the book, in a way, he's becoming part of that music because when he surfaces in different poems um, within that section, or, or like Dusk does mm. even, it's almost, it's like a way of thinking about it is that it's like a note that's resurfacing. Like there's I like part that. Of you, like, like Neruda's using like the wheat or golden wheat. Or mm. where so he has that note that reappears. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you're, that, that's beautiful, right? As the, a kind of refrain, you know, throughout the book. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and it's, you know, and yeah, and you've written, you, and well, hmm. And you, this is, did you want to say something more, Christian? Cause it's well, what we're going to say. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, thinking about how both the musical and the visual drives the book as well you know so it, I, the the book is also really really visual i mean in the sense that as as you talked about earlier how i'm always thinking about texture and how in some ways this book is 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 about um really just trying to describe the texture of that light at dusk 
you know and so i mean that quite literally literally in terms of some of the imagery of those earlier poems that are explicitly dusk poems but also um metaphorically or conceptually right um dusk as a metaphor for liminal space right between the idea of being in between worlds so um as a friend said about the book is that even when dusk is in explicitly present in the poem you have to ask where is dusk in this piece mm. so because it because it, it's part of this um what your concern at the moment what you're trying to the essential part the essence yeah. that you're you're with uh, uh, inhabiting that's right the practice. spirit of it yeah the spirit of it yeah we, why don't i read um one of the earlier poems is that what you were thinking or which one were you thinking christian anyone um let's see because i was thinking the dusk poem one of the f f first two or I, oh, sure i don't well whatever you were thinking because um I remember, I think it was the third poem where I said, oh, it, Dusk is named here. Yeah. Like the name surfaces. And right, right, right. Um, well, I could also read Mangroves. The oh, short lovely. Poem. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, Talk about a, 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 a liminal being, the mangrove. Ah. Right? At really defining what is land and, and what is water. I love that, yeah. you know, and the funny thing is I wasn't even necessarily th explicitly thinking of of that when I made the poem, but it's there, you know, thank you for that. So this poem is called Mangroves. Dusk and the mangroves of clouds, which sit low into reverie, Chinese dragons mating or big woman riding chariot, clouds thicker than Whitman's beard. All angels have afros. Beneath them the hotels, giant casarinas in the half-dark, sawed off and smoking. Now I must return from the mangroves with proud egrets, who know so much more than me. We must go back now to the shore of this new night. Thanks, Christian. Thank you. Yeah, I have to say, I have this moment i love when we have to return um with the egrets hmm. Hmm. it and i it's funny because i just saw them um i um i flew here from nasa i'm on teaching leave and will be there for for a little while but this book actually i mean among so many so many things the the idea of this book came out of an actual experience of, of running on a beach. Oh, to your girl, girlfriend's house. Is it that, that well, poem? Or that, well, that's not even that poem, but, okay. but, but, sorry. For no, 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 but, but, uh, but that's sort of part of it, right? That's part of the whole landscape of the book, but this and idea of running on the beach at dusk yes. in the Caribbean, right? Um, and the specifically, uh, beach in Nassau in the Bahamas called Goodman's Bay. Right. So all of those Goodman's Bay poems. Yes. Um, so this is so, you know, I. This was the summer between leaving the U.S. and going to Oxford, going to England. And I was in Nassau for the summer. And it's also the summer that my paternal grandfather passed away. And I was um, working 
And so I would, and I'm not a morning person. (laughs) So I would exercise after work. And by the time I would get to Goodman's Bay to go jogging, it would be dusk, right? And so I, for, for other reasons too, you know, jogging in the sand is better for your joints, right? The sand is softer, but it's also more of a challenge, right? To run in the sand. Um, and I, be, you know, I went there for, for the exercise, for the physical experience, and eventually kept on going back for the spiritual and aesthetic experience of, um, in some ways, reconnecting with this landscape and just bearing witness to the sea and to the sky changing and the world around me changing and the sand and the sand in my shoe and the wind and and just that whole landscape and 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 claiming that and needing to um just sort of name that experience and and name dusk and say there it is right and where and when were you so what when would when were you becoming aware of that that it was almost becoming um not just uh to keep physically healthy but a meditation and, and a way a meditation of and you use the perfect word right which also has all these other meanings <laughs> in rastafarianism and then and the poem right um i think maybe you know by the end of that summer because what happened is is not only um you know was I having this physical and then spiritual and and aesthetic experience, but it became this important, in fact, I would say beyond important, crucial part of my creative process as a a writer. Um, You know, this thing of the moving body um, and that time when I would get my best ideas and best images and best lines and, um, you know, this idea of... Um, this experience of, of, of running, you know, you're experiencing your own body changing and at work, you know, it's a very interior experience, but at, at the same time, you know, sort of, you're, you're also this up lyric observing self, you know, watching the world as you move through it. Mm. Um, and so what would happen is after I would, I would go there and there'd still be light. And by the time I'd finish it, it would be no light. Yes. And and I would need to name that. So I would keep a, a journal like this one here in, in my car. And I would, I mean, it, it became right something away, like the journals. Could... Absolutely. The journals of Goodman's Bay is what I called it. And so I would, like you're saying, right away, you know, I'd run, walk back and sit in the car and write. And a number of these poems were born out of that kind of melange those moments yeah absolutely absolutely that became that became my writing process you know running running was my writing you know so at that point were you that is wonderful and that you actually to have also the awareness of that that's being in that moment and knowing it yeah and then so is well i guess now i have like 20 questions of course after that or so more than that but um is that something then that the way that you're working now as you're like as you're starting to create and produce new work is it something where you're running no matter where you are Mm. i mean i know you won't have that 
beach. Yeah. You won't have, you know, John Goodman's Bay. But um, unless you're back home or there right. for a while. And, but you're so many places. That's home true. Is, that we can talk about that after yeah, the Yeah, no, break, that's maybe. true. Yeah, being, <laughs> being at home in all of these different places. You're right. Um, you know... I don't know. Right now, I think the process does change depending on on the landscape that I'm in. You know, you, I have to, because of my, I think, well, you know what? Movement is my process. You know, um, in airport, riding in airports, right? On trains, um, movement. Yeah, that, that's what my process is. I love that. We'll take a Thank short you. break Thanks. and we'll Thank come you. we'll come right back. Thank you. Um you're listening to Living Writers today. Christian Campbell is here running the desk. We'll be back. just had tell us a little bit about the song christian <laughs> well you know first we have to, to acknowledge tax again. tax the, the, the champion selector right? soul selector and soul, champion that's selector. right that's right soul selector and champion selector champion sound no that that um was a, a dancehall track called very controversial actually called backshot by um well not very i mean it i suppose you know you think about dancehall um the, the the sort of boldness and the bold sexuality in it is is what it is and, and <laughs> i suppose it's controversial with some people but that that song is called backshot by um lady saw and spraga bands um uh, and lady saw as a queen of the dance hall, the Muma. I, I wish um, we have uh, Brian Tomsick does a, a dance hall uh, reggae d- and show. Here. Ah, okay, and, right. and when Linton K. Johnson was here, Brian mm. had him on his his program to talk. Um, Very important poet. Enough respect for oh Linton Crazy Johnson. Amazing poet. I was yeah. lucky enough to meet him. I wasn't doing this show when he came to town then but um i got to meet him and and even walking on the street with him young young people would come up to him and and just even quietly um the heart salute him. Yeah, yeah it was really right. yeah he is he's changed a lot of lives that's right that's so right he, Linton, I mean, he, if you're out there listening yeah respect to, to linton no he's a he's a pioneer absolutely a pioneer 
Uh, and that, that and that when we were talking about how the tone of this last this last song actually we sort of lightened maybe we <laughs> maybe we'll be less serious as we <laughs> but we don't need to we can do anything we want Christian this is your hour <laughs> <laughs> respect you thank you in fact what are you so you've got some some time off from teaching right now yeah to do my research <laughs> wonderful and is it the Sydney Poitier book or what because I know you mentioned writing yeah. this book or is that when not now, right? No, okay. I, I've, um, well, th- thanks for mentioning that. I, I mean, it's a book that I, I need to write, but it's going to come um, after this book that I'm writing. Um, it's called Sound System, Caribbean Poetry and Diaspora. So it is, it's a critical um, book on, on Caribbean poetry, right? On this um, most important tradition that that of which I am a part. Is this then what, what you were working on at Duke as well, or no? Or? Re- not the same, not the same, but it's related, right? Because I did actually write um, my Duke um, PhD dissertation um, on many things, but I focus a lot on the work of Derek Walcott and of our very and own Lorna Goodison. That's yeah. right. So, yeah, I've been thinking about um, working on an article on 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 um, Lorna's poetry, and I've been thinking about it a lot, a lot, yeah. And, and with this book, how did then this this idea come to you with the the diaspora and the and are you are these then you said critical pieces? So these are all essays that you've yeah yeah exactly. It's a it is a critical um, it, it's a critical project on Caribbean poetry, and it, it you know. Caribbean poetry is, you know, really one of the most exciting, complicated, terrifying, richest, most life-giving poetic traditions that we have, right? But it's not gotten the critical attention it deserves at all. And why, Um, yeah, why why is that? Well, um, I mean, I think it, it speaks to... Um, larger issues around contemporary poetry broadly, right? Not getting mm. enough critical attention, right? You, you know, so the, the the criticism stops at the modernist poets, and I'm I'm not saying there's stuff out there, but not enough, right? 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 Um, and I and I think we're all waiting till we're dead. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Lorna and I were laughing about, you know, so when I went to Oxford, um, the writers that you could study <laughs> have to be dead. <laughs> when I thought I I never thought about it, but I think it's true. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is changing, changing the, it now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's there's a lot of really exciting work um um coming out and out about um um you know, for example, uh, a friend of mine, Evie Shockley, just put out uh, an important book of criticism on African-American poetry and thinking about um, innovation and um, the Black Arts Movement. Former colleague of mine um, also just put a book out in the last couple of years on Timothy Yu on Asian American poetry and on on the experimental. Um, so there's a lot of really for me inspiring and uh, exciting work out there. And I f- I think f- this project, you know, what what's really important for me is to approach the, this critical project with the poet's authority, right? Mm. Um, that with uh, uh, right. The, the the kind of 
um, respect for the making of it, um, for texture, for formal issues. Because I think when the work is written about that, that the political issues are really important, right? But and the cultural questions, and the Caribbean is such a a, a very complicated, um, immense. Um, it's a crossroads of culture. So there's so much to, to, to really bear witness to critically about culture and about politics. But I think a lot of times the, the aesthetic and formal questions Thank are you. yeah pushed to the side a bit. And for me, I mean, the, with this project is, is about um, showing the ways in which they're inextricable. Right. Mm. Um, I think Caribbean mm. poetry teaches us teaches us something important about this. It it teaches us something important about um, multiplicity, right? The multiplicity of the human and of lived experience. Um, it teaches us um, something important about the complexity of time and place, right? That's one of the things that really, in terms of diaspora, um, you know, the, the, this. how do I think about the relationship between lyric time, the way time works in a lyric poem, and diasporic time, right? The way, you know, sort of um, diasporic time works in a Caribbean context, the sense of the specter of the, the past being fully present in the present, right? How do I make sense of that? And the Caribbean poem yes. does that work. You know, if you read Lorna's poetry, yes. you know, mm. you, you see it's yes. there, right? Yes. Being, what does it mean to inhabit all of these historical moments at once? Bob Marley teaches us that too. And, and, how, and how do you then, as a, a poet and as, as part of this, as a maker, yeah. as well as someone who will, um, with a poet's authority, uh, critique or chronicle, and bear witness but how will you inhabit the place when so often part of what your work is what your your present is mm -hmm. is to be away mm -hmm. what do you mean away well you're here or, or you're yeah. or you were a couple of years in oxford right All and in toronto or, and in yes well you know the or does that change it or does it or is it something about how do you stay because you are who you are but how do you stay Connected, Used, yeah. In in terms of the Caribbean, I guess, yeah. Um, well, that's a good question. I think you know. First, the first thing is that the Caribbean isn't the, isn't only the Caribbean, right? So there's there is it's not the place. It's not the the, the islands, the water. It that, is well, it, the, right. It is, but there's also the Caribbean is also in Miami and in New York and in Toronto and in London and in right. Paris, you know, right. and in Amsterdam and and right. so there's that diasporic question and and attending to the nuances around how these caribbeans are being created in these other geopolitical spaces and the difference between um as camo brathwe calls it the caribbean caribbean right <laughs> so right. i so i think i think that's an important actually ethical question you're raising and i think for me it's it's to be on the ground in the ways that i can i mean it's also being connected to my community as a as a as as something that i that's something that's vital right but but i think you know technology helps the internet helps for this conversation that um goes beyond um specific geographical 
boundaries. And also when you think about what the Caribbean is, is this whole archipelago and includes, you know, Belize and Guyana that aren't islands and so on. Yes. So that, I mean, it, it is a really complex kind of conversation and issue. And I think the poetry um, in terms of its ability to sort of transgress you know, these kinds of spatial and temporal boundaries teaches us something about that. Yes. And maybe you can get back every year to Goodman's Bay for running, though, at dusk. That's a must. That is a must. <laughs> yes. Is, um, is there, a Christian, a short, a, a, one of the shorter poems to take us out on? Um, yes. I lo- that okay. would be lovely. Um, I think we should end with Iguana. Okay. Now, so I'll just say that some of the... Some of the, the words that you may or may not recognize are, are um, Amerindian or Native American names, original names in the Caribbean. Oh, okay. Thank you. Iguana. My friend from Guyana was asked in Philadelphia if she was from Iguana. Iguana which crawls and then stills, which flicks its tongue at the sun. In history, we learn that Lucayans ate iguana, that Caribs, my grandmother's people, ate Lucayans, the people of Guanahani. Guyana, the colonial way with an eye, southernmost of the Caribbean, is iguana. Inagua, southernmost of the Bahamas, northernmost of the Caribbean, is iguana. Inagua crossroads with Haiti, Inagua of the salt and flamingos. The Spanish called it Iniagua. Water is to be found there. Water, water everywhere. Guyana, in the language of Arawak's Waiana, land of many waters, is iguana. Veins running through land, grooves between green scales. My grandmother from Maruga, Southernmost in Trinidad knew the names of things. She rubbed iguana with bird pepper. She cooked its sweet meat. The earth is on the back of an ageless iguana. We are all from the land of iguana, Huanora, Carib name for St. Lucia. And all the iguanas scurry away from me. And all the iguanas are dying. Thank you, Christian. Give thanks. Uh, You've been listening to Living Writers, uh, Christian Campbell, on the program today, his book, Running the Dusk. I'm T. Hetzel. Until next time. Oh, the good life, full of fun, seems to be. Yes, yes, the good life lets you hide all the sadness you feel. You won't
This is Free Speech Radio News for Wednesday, March 6, 2013. In Los Angeles, I'm Dorian Marina. Coming up, thousands fill the streets in Caracas to mourn the death of Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez. U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder faces questions about the use of lethal strikes against terror suspects within the U.S. And we'll go to Gaza, where doctors are conducting the first kidney transplants for residents inside the coastal strip. Those stories and more coming up after this news. I'm Jess Burns with headlines for FSRN. An Egyptian court today suspended national elections by canceling a decree by President Mohamed Morsi calling for polls in April. Opposition parties in Egypt had opposed the elections and threatened to boycott. This comes as protests continue in Port Said, where earlier this week demonstrators burned a government building. International media report hundreds have been injured and as many as six people killed over the past several days of clashes with police. The protesters are demanding that the government release prisoners convicted for involvement in a stadium riot last year. Thousands of Canadian university students were back in the streets of Montreal last night, once again protesting a planned increase in tuition rates. There had been months of relative calm as a new provincial government took over power and promised to keep tuition rates low. According to Canadian Press, the premier announced a 3% tuition hike at the end of an education summit last week. Last night's protest resulted in dozens of student arrests. Los Angeles County health officials continue to mobilize to fight a recent outbreak of tuberculosis among the city's homeless population. Citing the health risks, officials are asking the U.S. Supreme Court to allow it to resume the practice of disposing of personal property left, even temporarily, by people who have no permanent place to store their possessions. Homeless advocates say the city is using the disease as an excuse to violate constitutional